So literally for $5, you can get a nice report that tells you what the various data comparisons are for a variety of niches that you specify. That's great. That's an excellent tip right there. Hey, this is Shayna Jocelyn-Sams from flifflifestyle.com. And you are listening to our friend Ash Roy at ProductiveInsights.com. Welcome to the Productive Insights Podcast, where you can learn how to systemize, automate, and scale your business via the internet. To access previous episodes and useful productivity tips, go to ProductiveInsights.com. Now, here's your host, Ash Roy. Hey there, welcome back to the Productive Insights Podcast. Great to have you here. Today we're going to talk about membership sites and how to use a membership site to build a successful, profitable business. This interview was actually quite long, so I figured I would break it up into two bite-sized parts. The first part talks a lot about the tactical aspects of setting up a membership site, and the second part really addresses some of the key mindset issues when it comes to membership sites and setting them up. So this is the first of a two-part series where we're going to be talking mainly about how to go about setting up a membership site, the tools that you would use, how to do research on your niche, and those sorts of things. And in the second part, we'll be talking about how to get your mindset right, which turns out to be one of the biggest obstacles for starting a membership site. If you find this episode useful and you want to know more about membership sites, you definitely want to check out some of the other episodes I've done. Episode number two with James Shramko on how to use recurring income to maximize your profitability. Episode number 43 with Robbie Baxter, who's the author of The Membership Economy. Episode number 50 with James Shramko, where we talk about frameworks and business profitability. There's quite a bit of talk about membership sites there. And episode number 63 with Shane and Jocelyn Sams, who actually do the intro on this episode on how to set up a recurring income business. This episode is brought to you by the Productive Insights Done For You podcast launch service, which positions you as a leading authority in your market and successfully turns listeners into high value customers. Book a call with me on ProductiveInsights.com forward slash podcast hyphen setup to discuss how we can get started. Today's guest is the founder of HelpMyBusiness.com and has a free weekly TV show that helps entrepreneurs and small business owners build a better business and stand out from the crowd. This TV show became the number one marketing web TV show in Apple iTunes, beating Harvard Business Review, Advertising Age, and Business Week. He's authored several books on marketing and he's been referred to as the Yoda of marketing. He's also a keynote speaker and has shared the stage with the likes of, get this, Richard Branson, Seth Godin, Brian Tracy, Tony Robbins, and Tony Say from Zappos. I recently had the honor of sharing the stage with him at Superfast Business Live 2016, which is where we met. I'm delighted to welcome Andrew Locke, the founder of HelpMyBusiness.com. Welcome, Andrew. Thank you, Ash. Really appreciate the invitation. Good to be here. Great to have you on the show, man. So, Andrew, we're here today to talk about membership sites and why they're so important for just about every business to consider when looking to leverage the online channel. So, could you talk to us a little bit about that and tell us about your experience with membership sites? Sure. Yeah, it is exciting because most businesses focus on the income that comes about where they're trading time for money. And what they forget is the most powerful type of income is income where you do a set of work and you continue to get paid on it over and over again. Uh-huh. You know, In the entertainment world where I came from, it was known as royalties, 
Yep. Such as when a, a songwriter writes a song and they get paid every time that song is used in the future. So that's kind of what got me into this because I realized how powerful that type of income is. I like to call it reliable, recurring income because it's income that you can count on that comes in over and over and over and over again. You can't stop it once it starts. And it's really about leverage because you cease trading time for money and you start getting paid over and over and over and over again for work that you did in the past. Uh So it's really an amazing type of income. It will change your life if you're serious about implementing the systems to do it. And the easiest way, honestly, is to build a niche membership site. Uh Okay, so by niche membership site, I think we're talking about a membership site that is focused on a specific segment of the market. So, for example, I'm working with a few lawyers at the moment that are looking to increase their revenue and a membership site might be useful for them or for any professionals for that matter. Yeah, taking your example there of lawyers, a lawyer could create a membership site where they teach other lawyers, perhaps newer lawyers, how to run the same type of business that they do. That's one example of a niche topic for a membership site. Also, a a lawyer could create a membership site that helps the end users or their customers to educate themselves better about that particular topic. And of course, there's all many, many different types of law too. So it wouldn't be a law website. It would be a specific topic, like for example, family law, yes. or it could be the topic of, I forget what they call it, immigration would be another one. So, you know, a lawyer who's a specialist in immigration could create a site that helps people educate themselves about how to apply for citizenship or mm-hmm. or visa for entry into a specific area. So, you know, there's business to business topics and there's business to consumer topics. It's not right or wrong. It's just the point is that the most successful membership sites are the ones that hone in on a very specific topic rather than a general market. Right. It's a very easy way to establish credibility, even celebrity to some extent, because where people have a choice of who to do business with, if someone stands out as a celebrity or mm-hmm. you know a credible expert, then people gravitate towards that credible expert, you know, compared to anyone else because, you know, they view that person as a better authority on the topic. Yep. And interviewing other credible experts is a great way to build your own credibility. It is, yeah. Absolutely. It worked well for Oprah. (laughs) Exactly. It worked very well. And for... She was a prime example of doing that. And for Ellen now. Ellen too, yeah. I mean, you know, they're both examples of people that didn't have specific skills in the business world or you know expert topics but by interviewing other experts they raise their own profile as someone who could be trusted to bring that kind of quality information so that's actually kind of a myth that needs to be busted in this world of membership sites and that is that you don't need to be an expert in the topic in order to launch a membership site you simply need to be 
very passionate about the topic. Yes, that was exactly what I was going to ask you next, because I hear that a lot. A lot of people say you have to be a bona fide expert before you start working in the area. And my argument to that is every expert, including the bona fide experts, have holes in their knowledge ultimately. So I think it's about being a relative expert and it's about having the enthusiasm, as you say, and the passion to develop the expertise where you lack it. It's about being transparent with your prospect and saying, look, these are the areas that I'm not strong in in this particular area of expertise, but I can develop them. And as long as you're open and honest, and as long as you're further down the journey that your prospect wants to go, then you can perfectly well position yourself as the expert because it's about being a relative expert, not the expert. That's right. You don't want to deceive people. But at the same time, it's important to realize that people like Oprah did exactly that. They weren't experts in the topics that they discuss on their show or on her show. She simply put herself in a position where she championed other experts. Mm. And uh, one of the nice ways of kind of expressing it as a owner of a membership site is to, you know, effectively say to your community, look, I'm going on this journey, come along with me. And as the hub of this topic in this world, I'll share my findings Mm. with you. That's a nice way of kind of expressing it so that you're not claiming to be an expert. That's great. You're just showing that you have an interest and a desire to explore the topic in depth. You're devoting a lot of time to that, more time than anyone else would have to do it. And you're willing to share your findings with the community. I really like that approach, Andrew. That's fantastic. That's very transparent. That's very honest. But at the same time, it's inviting them to join you on a journey. So I really, really like that. Thank you for sharing that. Let's talk about some of the keys to building a successful membership site. One thing I know a lot of people have said is, how much content do you need before you start a site? That's one of the biggest (laughs) questions I've heard. So what are the biggest keys to building a membership site? And how much content do you need to get started? Well, we touched on a couple of the things in passing, but I would say the priorities are number one, to make sure that you pick a niche topic rather than a broad topic. One of the biggest mistakes I see people make is picking a topic that is too wide. Okay. So, you know, someone who is passionate about cooking, for example, may start a membership site about cooking. But the problem with that is that for someone who's searching the internet, people don't search for broad, they search for specific. And so mm-hmm. they're not going to be searching for cooking. What people will search for is things like cooking for one or cooking gluten-free, uh-huh. cooking as a working mum. Right. So, you know, or Chinese cooking. So these are all niche topics within that area of cooking. Although it, it is, it's kind of counterintuitive for most people because most people think, well, if I choose cooking, I'm attracting everybody. Uh-huh. I have a huge pot, but that's not how it works. Like I said, on the internet, people search for specific because They are interested in a specific problem or finding a solution to a specific issue that they're facing. And if you go broad, you attract no one. Mm. If you go narrow, you attract those specific people very easily. You know, another example that how I explain this is if you have a a pest problem, 
uh-huh. an infestation of, let's say, um, of course, there's loads in Australia, but let's say you've got an infestation <laughs> of, of cockroaches, right? Yep. If you were to go down the store, uh, probably you'd see all kinds of products on the shelf there that claim to kill various insects, right? Insect killer galore. You'll see maybe 20 products that do that. However, if you then see on that one of those shelves there, one product that says cockroach killer, mm-hmm. which one are you going to buy? Totally, the one that's more specific to your needs. And that that's it. That's the point here, is that although, you know, broadly speaking, your product is going to kill cockroaches, if it's called insect killer, mm. that's not the way that you attract people to buy the product. The way that you attract them is to hone in on exactly what they're looking for. And that's why... In that example, the cockroach killer will always outsell any of the other products because it seems like a direct solution to what the person is actively searching for. So this is a big area of confusion and it's a big myth. Uh And it's where a lot of people fall down with a membership site is because they choose a topic that's too broad, too wide. You need to hone in. So that's number one. Number two is it's very important that you are passionate about the topic authentically. I see people go into topics simply because they think that there's money to be made in a topic and they're just, in other words, they're jumping on a bandwagon of popularity, Uh but actually their heart isn't in it. And if you do that, you're not going to succeed long term because you'll give up, you know, you'll, you'll fall at the first hurdles. But if your heart is in it and you're really passionate, genuinely about the topic, you're going to be in it for the long haul, Uh which is what it takes to build a profitable membership site. And then in terms of the question that you asked about how much content, I recommend 12 pieces of content, which can be a combination of video or audio or articles or any other of the types of content that you can choose from, roughly four pieces per month or one a week. So in other words, you start with about three months worth of content. Uh And the reason you don't need any more than that is because when you have a lot more to start with, it simply overwhelms visitors and members. They don't know where to start. They just feel like there's so much here that it's overwhelming and it's a big issue. So it's counter to what a lot of people think. They think they need to have this huge amount of content in a membership site. But to start with, I recommend just 12 pieces of content. Okay. So what happens though, if you have, say, you're three months in, your membership site is up, you've got a certain number of members. And I have a question about that in a minute too, as in how many members do you need to have as a critical mass? But say you have a bunch of members and a new member comes in and there's 50 pieces of content because say your site has been running for X number of months. Does that not overwhelm them? No, because the important thing is to have a system so that you develop it in stages. So early on, when you're launching the site, of course, the traffic is going to be a lot lower. And, you know, your main goal is to launch the site. Yeah. Number one, having just 12 pieces of content allows you to launch fast. Mm-hmm. And secondly, it doesn't overwhelm the new members. Once you've launched it, the next phase of growth is to focus on retaining members. Yeah. And so what you want to do at that point is what I talked about in Australia is have various systems in place to guide people through the process. So one of those is a welcome video Uh where you walk people through what to expect and also how to navigate the site, where to start and what to start with. 
So when you do that as the next phase of development of the membership site, that's what stops them from being overwhelmed because you set the expectations right. and you guide them through the process of exactly what to do and where to start so that they're not overwhelmed. But you don't need that to launch the site. Okay. And do you also recommend having a forum-based conversation around the content on the site? Because I know there are some sites that do that, but then there are other sites that just have the content you know, standing on its own and yeah. that's accessible. So which do you recommend? Is one better than the other? There's no rule with this because it depends on the type of content and the, the topic. Huh. In general terms, it is a good thing to have a forum because that really brings the community together. They help each other. They answer each other's questions. And, you know, rising tide lifts all ships is a very positive mm -hmm. thing. But at the same time, there are types of membership sites where the idea is really just to present some training. And, you know, it's not a natural fit to have a forum. For example, I have a membership site called the uh, Ultimate Video Vault, which is a, a large library of training videos and each of those topics is kind of self-contained and so having a forum within that membership site wasn't a natural fit right. because of the type of the content that was presented mm -hmm. so in general terms it's a good idea but it doesn't mean that it's a fit for every type of membership site i would say the majority yes but there are exceptions. And when it comes to forums, though, if you're going to set up a forum, something that the listeners should be aware of is you're probably then looking at a long-term commitment, aren't you? Because people are going to expect you to be there on the forums to answer questions and to respond. So either you need to have a forum manager that people would like to interact with and are happy to interact with in lieu of yourself, or yeah. if you're the authority, then you have to show up every day. Well, that's right. You actually hit the nail on the head in terms of, you know, how to think about it. Either you can be the one to moderate or you can bring in other people. One of the the platform, by the way, because I know this always comes up. The platform that I recommend for the forum is uh, Zenforo, okay. which is uh, it's an excellent. It's X-E-N-F-O-R-O. -O. It's a very convenient way to add a uh, forum into a membership site. Mm -hmm. But, you know, it absolutely does not need to be you. One of the methods that I train my students on is to look at other public forums on the same topic and look for the people that are posting a lot because they're doing that for free on these public forums mm -hmm. that aren't paid. Mm -hmm. Then you can message those people and tell them about your site and invariably, it will be higher quality because you're charging people for it. Yep. And usually, a lot of those people will be delighted to come over and help you manage and facilitate the comments in your forum mm -hmm. uh, just in return for a free membership. So yep. it doesn't have to tie you personally down into answering the forum comments. You know, again, it's about setting expectations. If you set the expectation that you as a site owner are going to do that, then people will wonder what's happened if you disappear. But right. if you set the expectation that it's a community that's managed by other members of the community mm -hmm. who are knowledgeable about the topic, then it's absolutely fine to do it that way. Okay, cool. Now, could you talk to us about what you recommend as the minimum active number of members before one launches a membership site? Because the last thing you want when you launch a membership site is crickets, right? <laughs> so 
is it 10 members? Is it 90 members? In a, I've heard different numbers, but I'd love to hear your idea yeah. on it. Um, I don't think there's a, a set number, honestly, because, again, there are different ways to launch a membership site, and the two broad ways are both effective. It's just a choice. So one method is to build a list, first of all, before launching the site, so that when you launch the site, you have a ready-made target audience to to send to the site. The other way is to focus on building the site as quickly as possible and then just trickle the members in there and build it up over time. Both of those methods are successful. The first one is more viable if either you're willing to spend a little more time up front to build the list or you have the time to do that mm-hmm. because it takes time. It does take time. So, But it's not right or wrong. Both of those methods work. Okay, something that I just wanted to go back to where you said before, you were talking about Oprah and Ellen, the main expertise they had was to be able to be personable and to be able to bring out an interesting discussion from the experts. And that, to some extent, applies as a membership site owner as well, if you're running a forum especially. It's about being able to help people feel more enthusiastic about the topic. It's about drawing out the problem areas and trying to solve the problems which brings up another important point, and that was when you were saying you need to pick a niche, the narrower the niche, the better off you are, the higher the chances of success. Well, I went down this path as well, and I really struggled because I went too broad, and I still am guilty of doing that sometimes. I think that the fear, the problem, which I wasn't able to solve, I wasn't aware of that I wasn't solving, was I was thinking that if I cast my net as wide as possible, then there was a greater chance of me finding somebody. But the problem was, if you try and be everything to everyone, you'll be nothing to anyone. And so I would urge the listeners to really consider that, that if you try to be everything to everyone, you will end up being nothing to everyone. So the key is to try and solve a specific problem. And the way you do that is by focusing on a specific niche. And you can always go abroad later, but start with something specific. Yeah, what I would add to that is, you know, and of course I agree, what I would add is the fact that when you initially research what topic you're going to do, it's not a random process. It shouldn't be a random process. It should be a scientific-based process. What I mean is there are many research tools out there which allow you to know exactly how how much demand there is for a specific topic. Mm-hmm. So, you know, tools like semrush.com can tell you the search volume of any particular keywords It can also show you if other people are selling in that same niche. It'll show you what they're selling. It'll show you their ads. And so this is not a process of, I hope this works. This is a process of deliberate, strategic research. If you do the research, and you know that's part of what I train people to do in my system, then it means that you go into it with an understanding that this is going to work rather than hoping that it's going to work right. because your research verifies based on data and data is the only thing that counts because if it's if it's left to our opinion well i wonder if this is a good topic or not well that's you know that's no way to start a business mm. that's a rocky foundation if any foundation so the point is not only is it possible 
to do scientific research to establish the demand for any particular topic, any niche topic, not only is that possible, that it, but it's absolutely the wise thing to do because that way you know going into it that you're going to be successful rather than just hoping that you've chosen the right topic. Okay, so be deliberate and clear about what you're going to target, who you're going to target, and yeah, use like, tools. To use, an, to use an example, you know, as you were uh, researching your niche, probably you had two or three ideas or maybe mm -hmm. even more, even within the same topic. So let's go back to our example of cooking. Let's say we identified with the topic of gluten-free cooking, Chinese cooking, and cooking for single parents, mm -hmm. right? Let's say we've chose, we have ideas of those three topics, which are all very different niche topics yep. under this banner of cooking. We can and should research the demand for each of those niches. Yep. So that's what's going to tell us what the decision is, because one of those is going to be the standout. Mm -hmm. So that's why, you know, I say, it should be a scientific, deliberate process. It shouldn't just be, well, I, you know, I'm going to choose one, but I hope that it's the right one, but I don't know. You know, I hope that it works out. That's no way to do business. It has to be on a solid foundation based on research. And a lot of these tools that you mentioned, I, I don't know about SEM Rush in particular, but Moz.com, for example, where you can do some research as well, does offer the first month for free. So you yep. can, you know, you just sign up with an email address, you just do your research and you don't have to keep paying the large amounts of money. Some of them are quite expensive. They're 150 bucks a month or whatever. But So the, w the way that SEM Rush works is they give you the top results for free and then, you know, the more expanded results you have to pay for. But certainly, you know, like you said, some of these services, they offer a trial so you can do the trial. Another thing that you can do is use Fiverr, F-I-V-E-R-R, -R, mm -hmm. as a research tool because Fiverr is an outsourcing site. I'm sure many people are familiar with it already, but yep. there are people on Fiverr that offer to do the research for you mm -hmm. who, who own those tools. Another one is Market Samurai, which is actually an Australian company. Mm -hmm. It's a very, very comprehensive, detailed research tool that delves into keywords and it'll tell you how popular certain niches are. But again, you don't need to learn the software. You don't need to pay for the software. You can outsource it from someone else who knows how to use it inside out. So literally for $5, you can get a nice report that tells you what the various data comparisons are for a variety of niches that you specify. That's great. That's an excellent tip right there. Well, that was part one of this two-part series. I hope you enjoyed it. There were some excellent takeaways from that. The two that really stood out for me is the importance of having passion for the subject around which you intend to create a membership site and the fact that you don't have to do all the research on the niche yourself. You can use something like Fiverr to save yourself the time and money in purchasing the tools. Lots of other really valuable tactical tips. So I hope you enjoyed that. And I look forward to bringing you part two of this two-part series where we'll be talking about mindset. Don't forget to check out the show notes for all the relevant links and the related episodes. 
the links to which will be provided there as well. This episode was brought to you by the Productive Insights Done For You podcast launch service, which positions you as a leading authority in your market and successfully turns listeners into high-value repeat customers. Book a call with me on ProductiveInsights.com forward slash podcast hyphen setup to discuss how we can get started. Talk to you in the next episode. Thanks for listening to the Productive Insights Podcast. You can find all the links in the show notes below this episode on ProductiveInsights.com. You can also ask questions in the comments section.